It is August 7th, 2013. Amen. Um, the title of today's message is, Is He Worth It? It's been about a year now, um, and uh, I could never imagine um, a year ago before I came into this place what was going to happen. Um, I could never imagine um, what was going to happen when God found and we sook after him and God found us seeking after him with all of our heart. My wife, um, I love saying that, I'm still not completely used to it yet, but um, my wife prophesied, uh, and I think that's awesome, um, but uh, she read from Proverbs 2, and uh, it says, uh, starting in verse 1, it says, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. And if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of God and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth came knowledge and understanding. This just describes what happened to us perfectly. Um, I would have never imagined sitting in that little apartment in Austin, Texas, uh, one night, um, just praying to God, God, please, God, give us supernatural wisdom. Show us your absolute truth, God. would have never imagined that he, what would, what would be ensuing just two days later. Could never have imagined that. Um, and he's continuing to do it. Um, every single day, every single week, he, he keeps bringing people into this place to show them who he is. Amen. And I want to encourage you guys to keep spurring each other on because we have something amazing here. God is working in a powerful way here, but it's, us to, it's up to us. We have to continue to press into him. He is not finished with this work. Nope. He is far from finished with this work. And we need to press into him farther and farther and deeper and deeper because we've scratched the surface. We've scratched the surface here. God is not a God of limits. He's boundless. God is boundless. And when we seek him boundlessly, he blesses us with his, um, he blesses us with his presence boundlessly. And as you can see, in the last few weeks, he's just been showering down his presence upon us. And I am so thankful. We serve an amazing God. Um, so uh, before we start, I just, I just want to pray. Uh, Father, Jesus, we love you, God. God, we love you, Father. And we say thank you, Jesus, for your presence in this place. Thank you, Jesus, for joining us in this place tonight, God. Lord, we submit, wholly submit to you, God. With all of our heart, we submit to you, Father. Lord, we worship you, God, not just with truth, God, not just in the truth of your word, God, but with your spirit as well, God. We worship you in spirit and in truth, God, because that is what you have commanded us to do, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for uh, giving us the blessing of your presence tonight, God. Thank you so much, Jesus, for abounding upon us, Father, uh, giving us insight into your word, God, giving us the blessing, God, of knowledge of you, Father, of the truth of you, Father. Lord, I pray, God, that you continue to, uh, to bless us, God, with uh, people who are hungry for your word, Father. For people who are truly hungry for who you really, really are, God, and who are wholeheartedly seeking you, Jesus, with all of their heart, Father. Continue to bring those people through these doorways, God, and we promise, Lord, to be faithful to you with them, God. 
We love you, Father. Lord, speak tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so uh, on Sunday morning during, uh, during worship after the prison, we got back and we began to worship on Sunday morning. And a bunch of people in here, a bunch of homeless, and uh, it was amazing. Um, but we had a bunch of people in here and we began to worship. And the worship was incredible. Um, the Spirit of God was powerful in this place. And, uh, and um, as the Spirit of God became, we, our hearts became uh, more in tune with his presence. As we became more in submission to who he was and draw, drew closer to him, he drew close to us as well. And um, it was in that moment where he began to speak to me. And he said, you better get a pen and paper out. And I said, OK. And he said, you're going to preach really soon. And I said, OK. Uh, this was on Sunday, and, um, and so uh, I got my phone out, and I took the notes out, and I just started writing. He gave me six, six or seven lines, just a couple scriptures and a couple lines, and that was about it. And uh, I set it down, and my imagination was going wild at this point. Um, wow, God, like, who's this for? Like, when do you want me to do this? Is it in the next week? Is it in the next month? Is it tomorrow? When is it? Um, is it for a specific person, a group of people? And... Um, as my imagination went wild, I, I kind of thought about, oh, well, Sam and I are going to Austin this weekend uh, to see a wedding. Maybe um, he wants me to preach at the church that I came from in Austin, where uh, I did a couple months as a youth minister. So I was like, okay, awesome. So I called up that pastor. Still hasn't talked to me yet. So uh, obviously it wasn't that. Um, I need to actually get back with him, try to call him tomorrow again. But uh, he hasn't called me back. So as time went by, I was like, man, what? What is this? Who is this word for? And uh, I got a call yesterday from Eric, and uh, it was kind of unexpected. He called me. I was in a haircut. I didn't answer. Um, but I called him back, and uh, he said, hey, you know, Matt and I were praying about it, and we think that you need to deliver a word on Wednesday night. Um, and I said, okay, that's amazing. And it wasn't until I was climbing up, climbing up the steps to our house that God connected the dots for me. And it wasn't until right then that God threw it on me. This is the word that you need to preach tonight. This is what I have for this body tonight. And uh, it was amazing because uh, it's hard for me to get ready in 24 hours anyway. But uh, <clears throat> God was faithful in that, and he gave it to me well in advance. We're going to be in uh, Matthew 19 tonight. Amen. <clears throat> this scripture is awesome. This scripture is near and dear uh, to my heart. Because that very night that Sam and I were, were sitting in her apartment in Austin, that very night where we were sitting on that white couch praying for God's absolute wisdom, we opened up the word and God brought us to this exact passage. And I really didn't connect those dots until about an hour ago. Um, but he brought us to this exact passage and began to just open up our minds to the truth of what this, what this was actually saying to us in that particular season of life. And um, what he, gave, what, what he blessed me with on Sunday is completely different, but it's just amazing the way that he works and that he's faithful in giving me the exact things. Just incredible. Um, but uh, So let's just begin to read uh, Matthew 19, verse 16. <clears throat> now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? So he starts off well. Comes up to Jesus asking an honest question. God, what is it that I need to do to gain eternal life? Um, his intentions, uh, it's not absolutely clear right here, but it seems as if his intentions are pure. Um, but he comes and he asks this question of Jesus. 
And Jesus replies, why do you ask me what, about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones, the man inquired. Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Um, you know, by the time verse 20 rolls around, uh, you, you sense a, a little bit of swagger. A little, a little smile creeps up on his face. He says, I got this in the bag. I've been keeping these commandments since I was a little child, since I knew how to walk, since I knew what they meant. I've been keeping these commandments. And this is what this great teacher is telling me to do. I feel like, feel pretty confident in what I'm doing right now, in my obedience. Um, but Jesus wanted more. And uh, in verse 21, I, I thought it interesting that this word perfect here, that Jesus answered him, if you want to be perfect. And that kind of st stuck out to me. Um, so this word perfect, uh, another meaning for it would be mature. Um, it's not just about, well, it's not really about perfection at all. It's maturing in your faith. Um, so right here, uh, up to this point, um, we're seeing James 1, 3 through 5, just laying out in, in front of our eyes. So let's go ahead and turn there. James 1. So 3 says, well, let's start in 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. So, uh... <clears throat> The obedience to the testing of the rich young ruler's faith. Um, this would have led him on the path of maturity, um, would have led him on the path to uh, maturing in his faith. Um, he had done everything that he knew how to do up to that point. Um, but at that point, whenever he, he, has, he had done whatever he knew how to do, God hit him with something deeper. God hit him with something more, something a little bit more to test him, to see where he was in his faith. And how did he respond? Well, we haven't gotten there yet, but I'm sure you guys know. Um, but instead, he held on to what he thought he needed, and he forfeited everything else. Um, he did get it right uh, in verse 5. Um, he lacked wisdom, and he did ask God for it, and that was a positive thing. Um, but he simply heard the words of Jesus, and he did not do what they said. So hearing is not necessarily receiving until you put into action what you've heard. Um, so uh, if we reflect on this and we ask ourselves, what are we doing? Uh, what, what is it that he has led us to do that is keeping us from actually maturing in our faith? So we have this faith 
And the goal of the faith is to, is to mature as we grow, to go along and mature as we walk with God. So what is it that he's asked us to do? What's our next step? Um, if we are reading the word and hearing from God but not acting on what we hear, is reading the word really fruitful for us? If we read the word, God shows us something in the word and we don't immediately act on it, is that fruit? Just reading the word without action is not fruit. Um, so let's go back to Matthew 19 and continue reading. Um, verse 22 says, When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth. It is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So, uh, this word money, um, this, this word rich, uh, in, in addition to it referring to money, uh, the word rich also means useful to oneself. So think about that for a second. Um, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It is hard for a man useful unto himself to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Maybe that's why Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit shall inherit the kingdom of heaven. This is the exact position that this rich young ruler is in right now. He's not poor in spirit, but he sees himself as rich in spirit already. He needs to get to the state where he is poor in spirit. And at that point, when he's obedient, he will be rich. He will be rich in the kingdom of heaven, and he will receive it. Um, maybe that's why it also says in James 1, 9 and 10, that the brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position, but the one who is rich should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a wildflower. Now, uh, in Isaiah 46 through 8, it tells us what this wildflower represents. Uh, this wildflower is symbolic of the glory of man as opposed to the glory of God. So that seems to tie in all too well with the rich young ruler's circumstances of being wealthy and useful in his own eyes. Um, so we say, we say, oh, you know, I would give it all up. If I was in that rich young ruler's shoes, I would give it all up. No question. The thing is, though, it's not hypothetical. Jesus did ask the rich young ruler to give it all up. He did do that, and the rich young ruler could not do it. Uh, maybe we are taking the stance of Peter uh, in Matthew 26. Let's go there. Just a couple pages over. Starting in verse uh, 31. So uh, this is directly after the Lord's Supper, and um, Jesus and the disciples uh, went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus told them, this very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. This very night, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. They followed Peter into that. Um, flip over to uh, 
It's verse 69. Same chapter. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another girl saw him and said to the people there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath, I don't know the man. And after a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them, for your accent gives you away. That's an interesting little insert that I've never even, I've never even uh, comprehended that before. It says your accent gives you away. We know that you're a follower of Jesus. Um, so when, when we commit our lives to Jesus, and Jesus gives us a new body and a new spirit, he, he comes inside of us. Does our, the way that we hold ourselves, the way that we talk, our speech, does that give us away? Does that give us away to the rest of the world? Does that say, I belong to him? Because if it doesn't, let's, let's examine ourselves right now. Let's examine ourselves because for Peter, He's in a state of denial right now, but he can't help it. He can't help. Even he's denying Jesus. He's denying that he was ever his disciple, but his accent gave him away. I want to be that close to Jesus, that my accent gives me away wherever I go. I can't help it. Um, Then he began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside, and he wept bitterly. <clears throat> so, Peter promised God what he would do if the time ever came to be faithful to him. And then when the time does come, we found out how serious he was about his commitment. Um, has God told you to put your money where your mouth is lately? I know he asked for me. But has God told you, put your money where your mouth is? I know the things that you're saying with your mouth, but does your actions reflect what you're saying? Um, because he will, and sometimes quite literally, he will say, I need to use what is already mine. We are holding his money, living in his house, spending his time living his life. What is it that we can call our own? (laughs) Nothing. So while we're on this topic, uh, a little quick reminder, let's go to Galatians 2. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to start in verse 20. So in verse 20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I live by faith. This faith that is being talked about here is so apparent. It's it's something that is so apparent that it leads one to either stand under, endure, or to undertake something. That sounds like faith leading into action to me. Um, When Christ invaded you and took up his residence in you, you gave up your own rights and entitlements. And sometimes we need a reminder of that. Um, 
So I've learned that many times God starts you out with the little things to see what you can be trusted with. Um, maybe it's uh, you're sitting in a coffee shop and you see somebody that you need to talk to and you go talk to them. Or uh, maybe in, in, uh, in some people's instances here in the church that uh, you see trash cans strewn about in the street and you feel compelled to stop and put them up in the right standing. But whatever it is, a lot of times God will start you out with the little things to see how faithful you are to him, to see how deep your commitment really goes. And then only after you are faithful with little will he give you much. Um, he adds to us and he takes away from us as he sees fit so that you may prove where you stand. But he will never give us more than we can bear. What a good God we serve. So I love First Peter 4, so let's turn there. We're going to start in the beginning of the chapter. It says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. Well, that's an interesting verse. Um, so he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. So, he who has not suffered in his body, um, is he also done with sin? I'm not so sure about that. Um, maybe we need to meditate on this a little bit. Uh, let's go on to verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Amen. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear his name. For it is, the na for it is time for judgment and to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. And that is the word for tonight. Guys, let's come together and commit ourselves. Commit ourselves to continue to do good, to continue to be faithful, and to not be satisfied with our current position. Not be satisfied with where we are right now. Continually, continually, continually grow. Continually press in day after day after day because he's worth it. Communion. Well, the brother's on to something good, isn't he? Aren't y'all glad that the Holy Ghost speaks through all of us? You yield your heart to him, and he will put your finger on the pulse of God. I promise that. Turn with me to Mark 10 real quick. I want to echo something that he said. He read it out of Matthew, huh? Yeah, yeah.
You hear verse 21? Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack. How many of you like to be told you lack something? We want to be all good. In fact, when's the last time you talked to somebody and you said, hey, man, how are you doing? And they didn't in some way insinuate everything was fine. Have y'all seen that obnoxious lie on people's car? Business is wonderful. People are terrific. Life is good. Nothing could be further from the truth. Man, people are sinners. Business is difficult. It's doggy dog. The, the, the world is full of terrible things. It's only right with your soul when the Holy Ghost fills you. Amen? One thing you lack. Y'all count with me. Is that okay? Six, seven, eight. It's, un, it's un, unnatural to say six, seven, eight, nine, five, isn't it? Jesus quotes these commandments in such an unusual order. In verse 18, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, commandment number six. Do not commit adultery, seven. Do not steal, eight. Do not give false testimony, nine. Your father and your mother, that's number five. I bet the boy had on the tip of his tongue what Jesus was going to say next. I mean, he had it memorized since he was a kid. You ever talk to somebody and they're like, I know, I know, I know. With Jesus, you don't know. I want to tell you, he has always got one more thing. Look, we have communion set up. And to set that up in your heart, what I hear coming out of Nick, I, I just... I want to drive home. Go with me to Matthew 26. Is that okay? Then we're going to do communion together. Nick's going to lead us in communion. How good had Jesus been up until the last day of his life? Been pretty rebellious and had to repent? Only kept nine of the Ten Commandments? How good had he been? What thing did he like? And yet the father had one more cup for him to drink. Listen to these words, and I want you to consider how hard it is. It's verse 38 of Matthew 26. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. Do you think that was just religious show? He fell with his face to the ground. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Verse 40, he finds his buddies asleep. In verse 41, he asks them to, to continue to pray. In verse 42, he, he says again, look, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. How hard was that one more thing? You say, well, I've been pretty good thus far. I'm sure God's pretty happy I was obedient with most of the things he said. And isn't that kind of what we do? I mean, I was talking to Jay, and he was telling me about being a cyclist, right? I had a little flashback. You know why I ride really hard to get up a hill? So I can coast down the other side. I mean, that's the only reason for it. I would never kill myself to get up a hill unless I knew on the other side I got to coast. In the kingdom, the Holy Ghost will not let you coast because he's worth your very, very best. And I'm here to tell you, you may get number six, number seven, number eight, number nine right, and you're pretty sure you know what is ten. And Jesus remind you about number five. 
When you take communion tonight, there's a cup over there. That cup represents not just his blood of the covenant. That's what we always talk. It represents your promise to do whatever is lacking, whenever it is lacking, every time it's lacking, no matter how many times you've had to do it before. Isn't that worth thinking about? What was the title of your message? Um, I'm sorry. Is, it worth, is he worth it? Yeah. Is he worth it? Is he worth your commitment for whatever he asks of you before you know what it is? Is he worth that? 